Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew speaks on the Kingdom Norms, Part 3. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Matthew, Chapter 5, Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, or we could say, see God and be cool. Blessed are the meek, which is the third beatitude. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus did not say, Blessed are the pushy, the proud, or the self-assured, but blessed are the meek. Neither did he say, Blessed are the weak. In the Greek world, the word for meek, praus, was the word for animals which were not wild and unruly, but animals that were domesticated. The word refers to a horse or an ox that is trained, disciplined, in order to be controlled by man. Therefore, this word meek, as we see in Matthew 5 verse 5, This word meek refers to a strong person who is under control. It refers to a God-controlled person. As I have already stated before, the Beatitudes are not natural human qualities. They are Holy Spirit-produced Qualities of the citizens of the kingdom of God. The Beatitudes are character qualities. Every Christian ought to have and ought to manifest. So what is the definition of this word meek as we find in Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. First, the citizen of the kingdom of God recognizes that he is poor in spirit. That's the first beatitude. He's spiritually bankrupt. Second, he grieves for his particular sins. He truly repents. And as St. Augustine said, he repents enough not to repeat the sin that he repented of. Every other repentance is phony. Third, he is meek, particularly in his relationship with God and man. So meekness is a relational quality. The first two Beatitudes deal with conviction of sin. And this one, the third one, deals with faith in Christ. A relational life characterized by faith. So this Beatitude deals with conversion. It is not my own declaration of myself 
that I am a meek person. It is the declaration and certification of God and man that I am meek. A meek person is a man of God or a woman of God whose strength is controlled by God. He or she is controlled by the Holy Spirit in thought, in word, in will, in emotion, and in action. This particular beatitude, blessed are the meek, is cited by Jesus from Psalm 37. Psalm 37 verse 11. Jesus adds a benediction to that verse. But the meek will inherit the earth and enjoy great peace. In context, the meek man is one who submits not to his own will, but to the great and gracious will of God. Let me tell you again, the meek man is not a weak man. He is not a wishy-washy man. He is not a doormat. He is not an effeminate. He is not a timid man. As Professor Carson says, he is not a timid man looking for a hard slap from a wet noodle. He is not a passive man. Or a spineless man. Let me tell you, we have a lot of such men today. But a meek man is a person who by faith sees God. The infinite, personal, almighty God. Who sees God as great. And sees himself as nothing. And therefore submits to the great and gracious will of the great God. It is one who purposes and proclaims the following. Not my will but thine be done. He submits to the will of his heavenly father. And therefore he submits. And not argues with the Holy Scriptures wherein God's will is clearly revealed. And therefore he or she submits to God's delegated authorities. In the family, meek children submit to parents in everything. A meek wife submits to the husband in everything. A meek husband submits to Christ in everything. And in the church, a meek believer submits to the elders who are leaders, as well as to one another, considering the other superior to oneself. And in the world, a believer submits to all God-ordained authorities. Let me tell you, a meek person is ever conscious 
of the infinite personal triune God. The covenant God of our salvation. He is ever conscious of such a God that he gladly submits to his wise and gracious leading. The meek person is one who is led by the Spirit. In fact, it is the Holy Spirit that produces this quality of meekness in a Christian. Now let's look at an explanation of a meek person from Psalm 37. Because as I said, this beatitude comes from that particular psalm, especially from verse 7. First, a meek person is one who does not fret. Notice, do not fret, verse 1. And again, verse 7. And again, verse 8. Three times we read this admonition. Do not fret. Now it's interesting to note the meaning of this word fret. It means to be heated up. To be worked up. It is like an engine of a car that is heated up due to lack of oil and or coolant. And the car is destroyed. The meek man keeps himself cool because he is not only sees the circumstances of wicked men and their wickedness. But he fixes his eyes on the greatest reality in the whole world, the sovereign Lord, who is the ultimate ruler of the world. So the meek man says this, see God by faith and be cool in your situations. The man who is not seeing God is all heated up in his inside. He is anxious, he grumbles, he murmurs, he hits the wall, he throws temper tantrums, and he suffers a heart attack or stroke. He has no way of relieving destructive pressures, and so he dies prematurely. Secondly, let's look at verse 3, Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. The meek man is one who does not fret. The meek man is one who trusts in the Lord. Fides est fiducia. Faith is trust. The believer, the meek man trusts the Lord. Meaning he rests in the Lord. The believer is one who rests in God by entrusting his whole life to him. His whole being is resting upon the sure foundation of the almighty God. His past, his present, and his future rests in God. Because the meek man has heard the gospel proclamation. Which says, come unto me, all who labor and burdened, I will give you rest. 
Not I will solve your problem, but I'll give you rest. I will bear you up the entire being of us. Yes, he also solves our individual problems. Like Israel in Egypt, who labored under the taskmasters of Pharaoh. They responded to the gospel call by Moses. He said, God has sent me to let you know that he is going to take you from under burdens. He heard your cries and your groans and he has come down. And I heard him. I saw him. And it is his purpose to give you rest. And truly did God bring them out of burdens and brought them into a land that flowed with milk and honey. God gave them rest. So in the same way, the meek man came to Christ and trusted in him for his salvation. The meek man is a Christian always at rest. In God. Jesus Christ is his rest. No matter what circumstances the Christian faces. Thirdly, Psalm 37 and verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. The meek man is one who does not fret. The meek man is one who trusts in the Lord always and therefore rests. Meek man is one who delights in the Lord. The meek man is not one who just tolerates God. He is not one who puts up with Jesus Christ. The meek man is having a ball as a result of his relationship with Christ. He enjoys God. He delights himself in God. The unbeliever and the backsliding Christian think that God and enjoyment do not mix. But David tells us differently in his presence there is fullness of joy and on his right hand pleasures forevermore. It is a lie of the devil that tells us God and pleasure do not mix. In fact, God in Jesus Christ has come down to bring us out of our groaning and our misery. That he may bring us into enjoyment of God. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. Everlasting joy and pleasure are to be found in God. Pleasures forevermore, says David. So the meek man is one who delights in God. He delights in God's word. He delights in prayer. He delights in obedience. He delights in fellowship with God's people. It's pure fun to be a Christian. And if you have not discovered that, I feel sorry for you. I exhort you to pray that you may be shown that realm in the kingdom of God called pleasure. In fact, 
Saint Paul defines the kingdom of God as righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Number four, Psalm 37 verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. The meek man is not saying, I can do all things. I have confidence in myself. I am a hunk. He says, I see God. He is able to help me. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengtheneth me. So he commits his way to the Lord. And Dr. Boyce is right when he says this word commit means to roll your burden over to God who is infinitely greater than we are. The one in whom we trust. Roll it on to him. Bring your cares to him. Let him solve our problems. And so, once we have committed our problems to him, the idea here is, it is no longer our problem. It's no longer our burden. We are at rest. Who has the problem? He has the problem, and he's quite able to deal with our problem. It is no longer our problem. It is his problem. That's why St. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. John the Baptist introduced Jesus Christ by saying, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He bore our sins, even so Jesus Christ will receive our burdens and bear them away. And what is the result? We enjoy rest and we are without burden. And number five, verse seven of Psalm 37 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be still. Stop murmuring, complaining. Let no corrupt words come out of your mouth as you see Terrible circumstances. We want to talk. We want to murmur. We want to complain. Stop acting without spirit's direction. Let's turn to Exodus 14, the chapter. You remember the story. God delivered his people out of slavery. And now Pharaoh is pursuing God's people. With chariots and horsemen. And a great army. Exodus 14 and verse 9. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites. And overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pihahiroth. Opposite Balsephon. Now look at verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out and listened to the language. It is a language of murmuring and complaining. It's a language of unbelief. Be still. Shut up. Don't just look at the wicked. 
Don't just look at the armies that pursue us. Be still. And so we are told in verse 13, Moses answered the people who were making such noise. Do not be afraid. Be still. And see the salvation of the Lord today. And let's understand this. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Almighty. Jesus has already defeated all his enemies on the cross. Think about theology. Fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who said, He who believes in me shall never die. Be still. Wait on the Lord, in other words. Stop murmuring. Stop complaining. Wait. Be still so that you could hear what God has to say to you in reference to your particular problem. Turn with me to Isaiah, the 40th chapter. And beginning with verse 28, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. It's good to have a knowledge of a great God. If your God is too small, you will murmur and you will complain and you will throw fits. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait on the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be, grow weary. And they will walk and not be faint. Be still. You are hearing too much of your own voices. Hear what God has to say in this situation. Number six. Psalm 37 and verse 8. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Don't be angry against God. How many times when we looked at our problems, we accused God, we were angry at God. Somehow God is unjust. Don't be angry against God. Don't be angry against pastors. Pastor, you didn't give me a husband. But I introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ who alone is the Savior. He is the one who will give all that we need. Not all that we crave, all that we need. Don't be angry against your parents. Don't be angry against family members. Don't speak angry words of unbelief. Don't hit the wall and put holes in it. Don't destroy things in the house. Don't hit the nice car that you have. Don't hit the kids. Don't destroy relationships. Don't be angry at your boss and lose your job. Don't be angry and suffer a heart attack. The meek man is not angry for the wrong reason at the wrong time. Don't retaliate in anger. Do not take revenge. 
leave room for God's wrath. The Bible says. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Which tells us it's not our business to avenge. It's his business. The meek man, therefore, submits to the word and refuses to take revenge. Leaving God to act in his own good time. And number seven, have a long view of things. Means have an understanding of eschatology. Look at verse 9. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. And look at verse 20. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. Look at verse 35. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man. Flourishing like a green tree in its native soil. But he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Meek man is a patient man. He has a long view. He knows in the end it is not the wicked who wins, but the meek wins. In the end, God wins, and in him, the meek win. The meek will inherit the earth and will enjoy great peace, the text says. Not the wicked will inherit the earth. Today, the wicked may have the earth, but the truth is, they have no peace. The Bible declares, there is no peace for the wicked, saith the Lord. What is the fun of possessing the earth and have no peace? The meek even now enjoys peace on earth. To them the angels sang. Glory to God in the highest. Peace to men on earth whom his favor rests. Upon us his favor rests. Upon us who are on earth. We enjoy peace even now on earth. Remember Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And these things include food and clothing, and health and welfare. That's a lot of peace, isn't it? For now the wicked may possess the earth, But they have no peace. The earth belongs to God. So the earth belongs to us, his children. We are heirs of this earth. We have title to it. And even now, we enjoy on earth peace. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's hear what St. Paul is saying concerning our condition now on earth. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 and 22. Through 23. So then, no more boasting about men 
All things are yours. Think about that. An amazing statement. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. All things are yours. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10 says, Poor yet making many rich even now. That's what Paul says. If you don't believe that, turn with me to St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Let's listen to what Jesus speaks concerning our life even now. Mark 10 verse 29 and 30, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Yes, in this present age, as well as in the age to come. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 2 that tells something about what the future, what the future holds for us in verse 2, chapter 6 and verse 2. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Or look at Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, but in keeping with his promise, he says, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where dwelleth righteousness. The meek will inherit an earth that will be without sin. Where dwells only righteousness and where only the righteous will dwell. And let me tell you, even now we enjoy peace, but there is coming a day when the meek will enjoy great peace. When the meek inherits a new heaven and a new earth. Now let's look at the examples of people who demonstrated meekness. First let's look at Moses. And there is a scripture in the book of Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. This is a profound statement. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now that chapter tells us something about the life of Moses. He married Sipporah, his first wife, it seems she died. And so he married a Cushite woman, an Ethiopian woman, a black woman. And of course, his sister was very upset. Miriam was very upset. Miriam did not like this. And she became rebellious. And she rebelled against Moses and treated him with contempt. But you see, Moses... Refuses to defend himself. You see Moses. 
refusing to take revenge. Why do you think that Moses was the meekest man on earth? Because he was with God so many times. He met with God regularly. And you cannot meet with God regularly and be proud at the same time. A meek man is not defending himself. Meek man is not avenging himself. The meek man trusts in God. Let God do it. And so God came down and dealt with Miriam. Instantly she became a leper. Yes, Moses is meek because he saw God. All who see God become meek and humble and gentle. But notice, he is meek before God, but he was mighty before Pharaoh. He who sees God by faith will be meek before God and mighty and bold before the world and Satan. In Exodus 15, the chapter, we are told the people were murmuring against Moses, provoking him. And every time he was provoked, he fell his face down and began to pray. That sign of meekness, let God do it. So in this case of Miriam's rebellion, God came down and defended Moses and avenged Miriam. And as I said, she became leprous instantly. And it is through the intercession of Moses that she was saved. Well, look at David in 2 Samuel 16, the chapter. There was a man by name Shimei, a Benjamite. And David was going out of Jerusalem because of his rebellious son. And Shimei cursed David, the anointed king, pelted with stones. And you notice David is a meek man. He refuses to have Shimei killed. Why is it he sees God and humbly accepts the humiliation from God. Let's turn to Second Samuel, the 16th chapter. Let me read to you verse 10 and verse 12. But the king said, What do you and I have in common, you sons of Seruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, Curse David, who can ask, Why do you do this? You see, he sees God. And verse 12, it may be that the Lord will see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing I'm receiving today. He suffers. He trusts in God. He hopes in God. He submits to God's sovereignty and his chastening of him. But look at Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then he says, for I am meek and humble in heart. Let me tell you, 
Jesus was the most God conscious person who ever lived on the face of the earth. And so the meekest person in all the world was not Moses but Jesus Christ himself. The more God conscious one becomes, the more meek one becomes. The unbeliever is arrogant because there is no fear of God in him. Because the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So naturally, he is arrogant. Matthew 21 and verse 5, it tells us that this Jesus Christ is king. This is a quotation from Zechariah. Let me read to you. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. Meek, king, Jesus. But he comes as meek. The reason is he submits completely to God's will. A meek man is one who submits to God's good and gracious will. Concerning Jesus, it is said in Psalm 40, Here I am. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. He was king, and yet he comes in meekness. But not only that, he was king, he was God. He was God, and yet he came in meekness, so we are told by St. Paul in Philippians chapter 2. Let me read to you from verse 6. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. Jesus is God. But did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to the shameful death of the cross, because it was the will of God, and he submitted to the will of God. Or look at First Peter chapter 2 and verse 23, look at what St. Peter is saying about Jesus Christ. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. Why is that? Let God do it. It is mine to avenge and I'll do it. So here is Jesus Christ saying, no, I don't retaliate. Let God do it. When he suffered, he made no threats. Why? Let God do it. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. St. Peter tells the slaves as they are beaten up unjustly just to suffer, but be conscious of God. Be conscious of God. That's the meek man. Be conscious of God. He submits to God. He says, not my will, but thine be done. He will not retaliate. He refuses to defend himself. He trusts in God. The meek Jesus submits to God's righteous judgment. Oh, look at all the martyrs. All through the history of Christendom. They were not timid. 
They were strong people. Very strong men and women. Yet they imitated their Lord and were meek and suffered martyrdom. They were conscious of God. They fixed their eyes on Jesus. They fixed their eyes on the infinite, almighty, personal, sovereign God. And not upon themselves or upon their enemies. The meek man sees God. And he says everything is going to be all right. In the ultimate analysis. Number four, let's look at the necessity of meekness. I said this is a characteristic every Christian should have. Go home and read First Peter 3 and verse 4. Meekness is likened to an ornament. Said jewelry that you must wear. Colossians 3.12 Tells us it is a clothing. Put on meekness. So that people wouldn't see our nakedness. Notice there is a promise attached to it. The meek shall inherit the earth. That's for us. Read Second Timothy 2 and verse 25. The necessity of meekness for teachers. If you are a teacher you should have meekness. James 1 and verse 21, if you are a disciple, you must receive the word with meekness. If you don't have meekness, you will not receive it. Yes, meekness is necessary for teachers. It is also extremely necessary for disciples. Meekness is also necessary for ruling elders who have to govern. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him with meekness. You are trying to put together a broken bone and you don't want to be rough. (laughs) Meekness is important in church government. Number 5, look at Proverbs 16 and verse 32. Listen to this verse. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Meek man is a mighty man. It is strength. It's a self-controlled man. Number six. A meek person is like Christ. Whom we are to imitate. Number seven. Meekness at times. Causes the enemy to surrender. Remember. First Samuel chapter 24. There is a story. Of Saul. Coming into a cave. In the desert of Engedi. But David was there before. And David goes and sees Saul, his enemy, who is pursuing to kill David. And he refuses to kill him, but cuts a little of his robe. And even for that, his conscience was disturbed. And then he calls out to him, my Lord, my master, my father. 
I'm just a dead dog, a flea, he says. He says, may the Lord judge. And all of a sudden Saul melts. And he justifies David. And he says, you are more just than I. May God help us to be meek. May God help us to see God. The great and almighty God. All wise, all just God. All holy God. The God who is for us. The more we see him. The more we are meek. The more we refuse to defend ourselves. The more we refuse to retaliate. Knowing full well in due time. The meek shall inherit the earth. In due time. That's where eschatology comes in, the long view. Our enemies will be gone. You look for him, you'll be so surprised. You do research, but you shall not find them. Because God will have acted. Trust God. Do not fret, trust God. Delight in him. Commit your way to him, be still. Let God work out our salvation. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to see you, O God, regularly in the way your scripture reveals to us. Help us to have theological understanding. Help us to study systematic theology. That we will have a great view of our great God. We will have a great view of the will of our great God. And that will is to save us. Hallelujah. That will is to bring us with all glory before your presence. That we may enjoy pleasures forevermore. Such knowledge will give us the fruit called meekness. Help us to Put away arrogance. Help us to be meek. That we may receive your word for our own edification. For we pray in Jesus name. Amen.